Welcome to Exploring Creativity. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and provide a community for creative people all over the world. On this podcast, we explore a variety of topics with a multifaceted group of creative people. We explore these topics in hopes of broadening your perspective and giving you the tools you need to do your very best work. Today I'm speaking with Addison Scott. Addison is a producer and artist. Together we explored the different ways we talk to ourselves, showing up every day, when the ego gets involved in collaboration, and so much more. For the Blink-182 fans listening, he also does an excellent Tom DeLonge impression that is definitely worth hearing. But anyway, it was a great conversation with a great friend, and I'm super excited for you to hear it. Let's get into it. There he is. By the organ. By the organ. By the organ, fingers on brand. Candle in the background on brand. Happy to see it. Okay. So usually the way it goes, I read off a bunch of topics that I chose for you specifically, and then I have you choose wherever you want to start. Um, my buddy, Justin Carp, who I interviewed his wife on the last live, he gave me the idea, like, maybe you should send it out in advance. People could think about it and like, uh, you know, have their own ideas before it starts. So it's like, sure, I'll test it. Uh, so you're the first test. Um, and I will let you know a secret. All of these topics are the same topics that I asked Ray. So exact same topics. I thought that would be kind of fun. Nice. Um, well, I think you should just pick one to start with. All right, great. Give me a, give me a number. We're going to go with, well, how, what are we out of how many? Like 11. Let's go with, let's go with 11. Uh, I said actually out of 14. Sorry. <laughs> let's go with 11. <laughs> All right. Practice. Let's talk about practice. So what is your relationship with practice? Like, where did you start? Now, uh, for people that don't know, you're a musician, but you're also a photographer and a videographer and uh, a un, uh, a comedian who has never performed on stage yet, as far as I know. And if you have, and I haven't been there, I'd be very upset. Um, no, but, happened. Um, so yeah, like, I'm curious about your relationship with the idea of practice from like day one to now. Uh, so I think I always like, didn't think of practice in the normal sense of the word, like, okay, I'm going to sit down from two to five and practice. It was always the things that I really wanted to do. So it was just like, I guess it, well, I never, it is practice. Obviously you're like, I'm going to sit down and just get better at this thing. But it was always like, for me with like guitar, for example, or, or drums, the re I wanted to play in a band. So I needed to get good enough to be in a band. And then it was like, when I didn't realize, when I realized I wasn't good enough, then I just kept playing, kept playing, kept playing. Um, I'm completely self-taught, as you know, like through everything I've done. Um, now it's a lot easier than when we were kids because we have the internet, which is like, mm. it feels like a cheat code, you know? It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> because before it was like, I'm just going to figure this out by fucking up a whole bunch. And then, mm. you know, oh, wait, it actually sounds better. As a producer, like a year ago, I heard a song I did. And then compared to like the song I finished yesterday, it was like, holy shit, like this sounds substantially better. Mm -hmm. And 
the practice is just doing it every day. I always say to people like, shockingly, if you do something every day, you will get better. Yeah, that's the cheat code. That's like yeah. the cheat code that no one wants to hear because <laughs> they're like, it's not like hitting one button. You have to hit three, six, 365 buttons a year. Like, all right, doing it, checking in, checking in. But yeah, and that's why I think doing too many things, I, I feel in my personal experience, I, I'll never get great at one. So it's been about focusing on the one or two things that I really want to be doing. Because I think we could be making money and a living with whatever you want. Obviously, it's not like immediate, but it's about that practice, right? It's about just continuously growing and going up a step each month, every few months. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm making a living from this thing. Right. Um, you said when I realized I wasn't good enough when you were younger, that's when you kept practicing. Like what was the, so that was one motivation to keep practicing, but how did you even know that you weren't good enough? Or what did that mean? What did not good enough mean that? So a pro and a con about myself is that I'm very hard on myself as in, I think we're all hard on ourselves, but I like talk like shit to myself when I'm like mm. in practice, I've gotten way better at not talking like shit to myself, like in my day to day, you know, but I've always been very real with myself. Like it's obvious if you, if, if you're looking at the top of the food chain in your industry, and then you look at yourself, if you're open enough and, you know, not, we're all in our ego a bit and that's okay. But if you're like not in it a lot or less than 50%, I feel like you got to know that, okay, you're not there yet. And like with production, it was frustrating because in my mind, I hear these songs, but they're not sounding like what... Mm you know, I think they could have been at the time. So I was always like, I think it was easy for me to know that it's, you're not good enough and not good enough. Not like you're suck. Obviously you have days like that. Some days I wake up and I think I'm a great producer after I finish a song. And then there's mm-hmm. days where like, I listen back. I'm like, this is a steaming pile of shit. Like you're the worst ever. <laughs> right. So you have a very like polar view of your performance at any time, or at least you did do and you, I mean, gave that example, which means you still kind of have that view of like, I'm either really, really doing well, or like really, really not. I identify with that. Um, but, um, I'm curious, you mentioned hierarchies by saying like, if you look at the top of the food chain, which is implicitly, uh, an implicit hierarchy, uh, sure. how does that, how, what's your relationship with hierarchy? Like, are you comfortable navigating hierarchy? Does it feel like you you do suck if you are lower on the food chain? Um, what is your relationship in with that? I think for a long time, and I'm sure a lot of artists, uh, if there's people in here that are artists, which I'm sure there are, can relate to is that like the death of an artist and a human is <clears throat> comparing your journey and where you're at with other people's and especially with social media it's become so much worse for so many people's mental health um and just emotional you know stability i think um at this point i don't 
I kind of use it as a weapon for myself where I'm looking at something, someone I may look up to or a sound I hear um, or a production or a thing or a vocal thing. And I just, I believe that I can do any of those things, right? So I just need to be exposed to it. And then obviously some things come straight from me that I may have not heard, but I'm totally comfortable with, I don't think it's a hierarchy, like, like it is a bit, but I think the definition of success for me is just making an abundance amount of money so I could live life on my terms. Right. And I think in, in music, it's just about when I say like the top of the food chain, I'm, I'm talking like things I'm exposed to that I didn't have a choice to, right? Like if you're on the radio, if you're on a Spotify playlist, you're hearing these things that are being fed mm-hmm. to you and people are reacting to it. And that doesn't mean I'm going to react to it, but if I do, I'm like, oh, wow, what was that about? Oh, I want to do that in something. Right. And like, God. you know, me, I've always been a sponge in the way of like, I'm not going to replicate it, but I want to take it and then use it in my own way. And then it's in your tool belt. Right. Integrate it. Yeah. So you're saying basically you're using hierarchies maybe earlier on or for some people, which I assume means also you in the past. For sure. Yeah. It really hurts the artist when you're viewing hierarchies as um, I'm here, there, over here. And now that I'm lower, I'm worse, or there's some value judgment. And instead, you're reframing it to say um, someone that's up here has maybe more financial stability or, you know, certainty. Um, But what are they actually doing? Is it really that different from what I can do? And saying like, well, it's not. I could actually do those things. Like, you know, they can make a song. I can make a song. It's more about how comfortable am I with my journey upwards. Uh, and not to do that to meet them. It. Yeah. Not to even meet them because eventually your journey up is different than theirs. Yeah. And I, I, and journeys aren't, I think journeys in a perfect world, you know, when people get to LA, for example, they want the journey to be this elevator ride, right? When in reality, life is just this thing that's moving and you hope to be steadily inclined, uh, going up in what you want, right? Like, and obviously there's going to be divots. As you know, I've had a lot of fucking falls. Um, but dude, that used to kill me. I mean, you know, when all your friends are getting signed to pub deals and you know you're just as good and you're seeing people get cut and their lives being changed. And I mean, I've been out in LA for eight years and it's taken me seven years until I'm in a place where you know, I'm really comfortable in my own skin. Uh, you know, I, I feel good financially and musically and emotionally. Obviously, it's still a battle, but I'm in such a better place. And that shit will kill your whole vibe. Like, you'll miss out on years of your life and not even know. You'd like wake mm. up and be like, how have I been out here for, for seven years? Because you just have this carrot in front of your face and seeing all these people on Instagram and doing this being here, being here. And then right. like, I think I, I want to, I wanted to s- separate my happiness and music. Cause I always, it was just one thing. It was like, if I'm not successful in music, I am not happy. I am not whole. And I wasn't taking, you know, you don't take care of yourself emotionally, mentally, physically, because you're like, I'm going to take care of myself when, 
when this comes, I'm going to take care of myself. I don't care. I'm not going to unpack the boxes in my room until I get that amount of money in my bank account. Right. And yes. Yeah. And it was uh, like, showed me that shit. Like, yo, make this a home. You're here right now. But like, I was never present. I just wanted to be like, okay, I got the next show. If I do this show and that A&R is here, this is going to happen. And then I'm going to be here. But, and then I'll make a house, a room when I'm in my mansion. And when I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And anything oh, before that is a dungeon until that. Yeah. It's punishment until, till that end goal. And wow. Um, so many things right there. And a lot of people are going off in the comments because I think it resonates. One, I just wanted to, any of them, by the way, <laughs> just know they're going nuts out there. Um, I wanted to pause to acknowledge um, your journey because I've seen it. I'm like I said before, I, maybe before you joined that I've known you. You're one of the people I've known the longest and I've seen your journey from high school all the way to now and the ups and downs and everything in between um, or ups that you thought were down or downs that you thought were up, you know, and um, I just am so happy to see where you're at now. Because to me, it's success uh, and it has been the whole time. But like, I know the same for myself is like, I don't see the success as other people see. And then I see success as other people don't in my own personal life. And so uh, I'm just really happy to be in this moment with you, where you're at now, learned and and been able to integrate and then to work together on stuff is just a privilege. I mean, I've known you since ninth grade and like, walking around the schools of high school being like we're the halls of high school being like we're gonna tour like that's all we want to do all we want to do is play music and do this and do that and it's crazy that you know we're here now and we're adults in this yeah and we're okay but what you just said you know thinking about you're even you you know you're here and then you think about like what other people are doing and my way of thinking now is like Look at the people that don't have shit, man. Like every day I'm exposed to it. Right. And it's, and it's mm. our choice to whether we acknowledge it. We're like, where we're from, if a homeless person walks by you, you know, you, you look the other way. That's where we're from. Mm-hmm. Right? You like, oh no, 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 no. Well, and now it's like, this person is somebody's son, right? This person could be someone's father. We don't know anything about anyone. Mm-hmm. And I already made it. I'm living in a house. I have a roof over my head. I'm able to buy food. I don't have to go to a job I don't like. Like I won, you know. Right. It's winning to me. Right. And I. It's so. It's so simple. Kicked in the dick, (laughs) so many times in the industry. I don't think I would have that mindset. And I didn't meet Ray because Ray obviously was a huge part of changing my way of thinking. Yeah. It's great. I mean, you know, I want to give a lot of credit to Ray. I want to give a lot of credit. And and those of you that have watched her live, I, I got a lot of feedback from it. People loved, really loved it. She is someone that definitely is inspiring. I think to your point, the, the experience changes you too. And then your own personal learnings and things you pick up along the way. I think all of those things integrated is really what has brought you here. And not one thing, I don't think there is even a way to even know uh, all that you know, because so many things influenced it. But um, I think there's a lot that she she's brought. Uh, can you expand on some of the, the things you've learned from her? Yeah. So when I met Ray, 
uh, we actually met on Tom Petty's day of the, the day he died at a Tom Petty jam session, which is just so serendipitous for us. Um, but I remember living in North Hollywood, waking up, going to get coffee, and there was a boot on my car. Um, so there's a boot on my car, a boot, if you don't know, guys, is when you have too many tickets and you, you have to pay like two grand to get this shit off. Mm. Um, I had like $200 in my pocket. I had rented three days. I was a fucking mess and I was always stressed about like making my bills. And this is just the big, the example of like how she changed my life. So she was like, Hey, let's go for a walk. I'm like, okay. And she's like seven years younger than me and just moved to LA. She's like beaming of light. And I just dealt with like the suicide of my investor and my whole musical journey exploding. And she's like, Hey, can you, do you want to try a different way of thinking? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've tried everything else. So like, whatever you got, I'm down. And it was that beginning three years ago of like gratitude and manifesting and meditating and being grateful and at letting go of my fear of money. Like do what I love every day, be the best person I can, you know, make the best decisions and the money will follow suit. And I only could speak to my personal, you know, journey and it's worked for me and she's helped me stay in that place. I mean, I never spoke to like God or the universe in that way. I think I wanted to believe I was the spiritual person, but I wasn't. And I mean, it changed that shit changes you gratitude when you like are just thankful for being mm. fucking alive instead mm. of being so caught up in the everyday bullshit. Like, oh, I can move my legs today. Thank you. It's like there's people that just can't walk. They can't run, you know, they can't whatever it is. And I never thought of anything like that. And I think a lot of us don't because we're just like, I think scared. I think people are scared to really face the possibility that we do die. Mm, yes. Dying. Yes. Uh, I, I wanna, think, you know, I think to face the totality that is life means that you have to face the tot uh, totality and certainty that is death. But the totality of life is everything. It's literally every single person um, Nate going off. Um, it's every single person that exists and every experience that's ever been had and realizing that like, we're just one small instance of experience. And what we can do is infinite in many ways. And it's really hard to know actually the impact we have, but like when we get into that phase of everything's bad, I can't do this. I can't do that. I haven't done this. It's like you're diminishing that small speck that you're making on the the whole totality of things. Um, and it happens so quick. And like you said, it happens without even knowing it's happening sometimes, um, which is sad. But I think you're yeah, right. When think, you, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, when you think about everything we were taught about, you need to do this, you need to go to college, you need to get a job, you need to be have health insurance, all these things, right? Which is like all great and that's fine. And it's, you know, some people are like, oh, you shouldn't live with your, your family when you're 
a certain age, all this shit. And it's like, can we just all just take a moment and be like, we're all just here dying. We're all going to die. Yep. And can we just like have, obviously take care of ourselves. Yes. You want to have good health and you're sure, but it's like, can we like enjoy our lives? There's just like, it's like mom and dad, you don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. We all don't know why the fuck we're here at all. Like, so let's be good people as much as we can be. We all fuck up. Let's have fun. Let's laugh a lot. Let's go to the beach in Hawaii a lot. And yeah. And like, yeah, that's it. Right. Like, right. What the fuck? It's very, it's so simple. And it's, it's the simple things that I think we miss. We met, we just, it goes right over our head because we're always looking for this complex answer to everything. I mean, not always, but, not, but no, but we're often looking, yeah. right. It's just, things take time. Uh, there's an end to that time and there's an infinite way that you can impact the world and you will never know what that is. It's like, and it's know. also so true when they say like, dude, if you do something every day and you are real with yourself and passionate and you want to get better, like you will make a living from it, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, but when you're that, like it really is about that journey. Like, bro, I can't tell you how much fun I had when I lived in a practice space in Ronkonkoma, like on a mattress on my floor. You know what I mean? Like those are some of the best times of my life. Like, yeah, I have a house now and a home and it's great. And I am so grateful, but like, brushing your teeth in a, in an extended handicap bus in like Ohio, you know, like really? those things are, do I want to sleep on the floor now? No, but yeah. I'm so happy I did. Like, yeah, shit. If, if, if you just like, if I just went straight to a bus and like, you know, it wouldn't have, you, it's not the same. I wouldn't like have any, like if, if, if my first project one love took off, like we all thought it would. I would not be the same person one. I don't even know if I'd be alive. I would have been a maniac. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it is our fault that define us and like what we come back from and how you come back positive and not jaded. Because mm-hmm. uh, then you start seeing other musicians that like you may think are good. And then you're like, that ah, fuck them. They're so lame. Like, right. What you like now? I think there's another thing here, which is like recognizing, like in my, my experience, I'm switching what I was doing to something else completely and being able to abandon what it meant to you, the narrative that it meant to you, the, you know, all of the ego filling bullshit of like what it meant to be a designer working in a corporate space, you know, like, and then saying like, none of that was real. We ought to do something new. None of that's real either. But like, I'm excited about it and I want to pursue it and I think it'll affect people. And like, but there's that piece as well. It's just um, that narrative piece of you building up something uh, to be more than it is and it having a negative effect on either changing or growing or things like that. But then you could become, because you become prideful about it, right? It's like, no, Mm -hmm. I said that this is what I was going to do and this is what's going to happen. And it's like, are we really that small-minded to think that like when you're having those conversations about yourself, 
like everyone that you've ever known is being like, man, I really hope he doesn't stop doing that thing that he promised us all. <laughs> Everybody's too self-consumed. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I was like, like my definition of success was so different. It's like, I'm going to be this huge rock star playing arenas. And listen, that would be great. It would be fun. It would be a lot of fun. But things change. Things move. Things like a musician will always make music, right? And, and right. me making music every day with the love of my life is great. And it's, I just want to play. And because it's just, I think it is accepting that because I've been there. It's like, no, no, this is the way. This is how I have. And you'll like purposely just be broken, broke and right. broken. Right. Be like, it's like, what am I, Captain America? Am I just right. <laughs> Even he kept her dick. I could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's our first Marvel reference. Great. Hey, you have $1, you can't pay rent. I could do it all day long. All day, forever. Because I told my friends in high school that i that's what I am. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't let them down. school that they promised they were going to fucking go to space or an account. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all change. But I, I think that's such a point that gets looked over a lot. Is like that you should be excited, passionate, committed to the journey, but also realizing that this is still a narrative you're giving yourself. And any moment you, sh- you can and should and could change that if need be, if it makes sense. And having that self-evaluation is really important. How has I oh yeah that, that how has introspection developed for you like over the years? Mm. There's a topic of intuition. Uh, maybe those are related. Yeah, I think looking inward, you're you're talking about right. Mm-hmm. I think that what we were just talking about goes hand in hand with that. Where it's like I'm more free now to create art because I don't have this false pressure that we put on ourselves mm. that I, I have to make this kind of music because that like, it's funny. What got me to LA was being completely me. And then when I got to LA, I was trying to be someone else. It's like, yeah, yep. the, the whole thing was fun. And it's bro, the place will do that to you and you don't even realize, you know? And I feel like now I'm more, me than I was then and I feel so free because I don't have any there's nothing like I used to write songs and pigeonhole myself and this this that there's nothing there anymore yeah it's like what am I going to write okay maybe this song isn't for our band cool this still is fucking great let's give it to sync let's give it to, you know some whatever um okay hold on I have a question there because I was talking to Justin uh Carp Lauren Carp's husband, who I interviewed on the last uh, episode, we were kind of recapping the whole discussion. And he was like, what really struck me was when you guys were talking about how early on, like, because she's a teacher, so she's teaching, she's teaching art to students from elementary school to high school. So she's mentioned how, you know, in elementary school, they're like, I can do anything. Like, I'm the best painter ever. And then like, in high school, they're like, yeah, like, what What should I do? Like, what's right? Like, what is this like meeting? Is this passing? Like, is this good? And I'm teaching students now that are even older than that, asking me the same thing. Is this right? Is this good? Um, and all of that. And I'm like, is it right to you? 
Like, do you think it's, do you think it would be right to me? Like as a person, not as a teacher, you know? And I think that like, um, you know, you, you see that change. So I want to, uh, bring that up because you were saying uh, what Justin mentioned was how that really struck a chord with him. He is, um, sorry, I was losing the point for a second. He is, um, someone that has been a creator, a songwriter, but he's like, now when I pick up a guitar, I just write that song that I would have written before. And I was like, yeah, I think that's a practice. I think you can practice your way out of that. Uh, do you agree with that? And like, how do you go about breaking out of that mold? Because I know you can, and I've heard so many different types of songs from you. You're saying of just getting in that place of like writing the same thing over and over? Getting out of that place. Right, right. Um, I think at first, when I did my first EP, I felt like, it's so right. I, I talked to you about this that when you're starting something, when it's like the first thing of that thing. So let's yeah. say me and you are just going to start a band, right? We're going to get together. Let's write five songs and record it. If there's going to be magic at first in this band, it's going to happen there, right? There's mm-hmm. no, nobody knows who you are. There's no pressure you're putting on yourself. You see, there's like no ceiling. And I think that's what happened with me with my first record. And it was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. You know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I feel like it's working. And then you hit that place where you're like, oh, I got to be, I got to make something now as good as that thing because people mm-hmm. reacted to that. And I did write the same song over and over and over and I'd be like, fuck, like this sounds, you know, but I think we're in a place for me, if we're talking musically, where there's so many sounds that are in are able to be in our ears through mm-hmm. the internet and through spotify where i mean just for example the, the app splice that literally every producer uses nowadays i mean i start songs with something from that and then by the final you know the ending of the song that thing is not even in it but when you hear something like when it was just me and you growing up, it's much harder when you just have a guitar and you're just like, you get stuck in these boxes. Right. But it's like when you could hear a trumpet, when you could hear a, a Glock and anything, some, I think you got to just keep going. Like if I say, I'm going to write a song today, I could be, listen, there's days when I try five ideas in a row and I got nothing. Right. And I feel like the shittiest songwriter ever. And I'm like, okay, this isn't happening. But I do believe you can work through that. And I mean, you pushed me like melodically to find different melodies. And it's like, we'll see how many melodies you can make to this. Like, just go. That was such a fun experience for people that don't know. Like, there was a night I was over, you were working on a song, you pulled up a splice loop, and then you were playing that splice loop on your guitar. No, you were singing over it. And I was like, all right, for this first go around, the first like 10 times it repeats, sing or eight, um, sing, um, you know, using one, uh, using one note predominantly or like sing where the end, it progressively gets higher or, you know, kind of throwing these exercises and hearing, I felt like when we got to the, one of the last ones, uh, it was progressively getting more interesting and better. And it started with... Could have just recorded that one thing, the first thing, you know? And and I think what Justin was talking about and what just came to me is like, when you're writing, even if it's just you alone, 
or if you're painting or I'm sure, but all I could speak to is, you know, the music. It's like, you don't even want to mess up in front of yourself. You don't want to like fuck up, but it's like in those fuck ups is when you will break through to those new things. Because it's like, listen, at the end of the day, I'm playing this thing with six metal strings that some guy invented. And it's like, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, try different shit out. And I think that's where the um, the breakthroughs will happen. Um, so I want to hop on a topic here. Um, I want to talk about limits because we're kind of circling around that topic. So what are your thoughts on limits and how have you, because I think you've mentioned a few instances of this, but what has your relationship with limits been? Also, yeah, Graber just pulled this comment out and it blew my mind when you said it, uh, that I don't even want to fuck up in front of myself. I think that's tremendous. That's a, a huge statement, so real. Uh, and it's definitely, again, another practice. I think speaking to Justin, like it's another practice you can do is like, how comfortable are you fucking up in front of yourself, playing a weird chord and making that the predominant part of the song? Or like singing a weird melody inspired by a different culture or something. Like how open are you to even doing it? Because if you're not, anything outside of the box is going to feel like a fuck up or a mistake or something to get. Everyone that creates anything is like, I think the the genius a lot of times is in the fuck ups. Like there's so many times that I'll fuck up and Ray will be like, wait, 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 what was that? And if, and if you look at that from like a point of view of science, it's like, okay, well, every time I fuck up eight out of 10 times, she's going, what is that? It's like, let's, let's see what that's about to see what we can get there. Because yeah, of course you're going to keep doing the same thing. We're, we're, listen, right. if you're on stage at a jam night, yeah, you fucking do what you know and mm-hmm. play and be cool, right? Be Mr. Yep. Cool guy. But when you're in your bedroom, <laughs> who are you, who am I playing for? Where I go, all right, go to the A. You know, the A is going to work. Mm-hmm. You don't want I don't want to, I don't want to offend my dog in my tenny right now for this performance. <laughs> right, right. But it's, it's, I wrote down like setting up your own personal hierarchy. Um, and like, <laughs> JC, JC and I work on a record. He said, I'm going to remember this the next time we're going to the studio, bro, which is going to be soon. Him and I are working on this collaborative poetry, yeah. ambient music, my kind of acoustic music record, which should be really cool. But yeah, I think I felt that the last time we were in the studio, I was so afraid to fuck up. And there were people around, obviously. So maybe the stakes were higher, but but I don't think JC was going to be like, I'm not your friend anymore because he tried this melody. But um, but also we want to fuck up in front of those people, right? Like, because right. again, dude, you're not at a show. You're right. not. Yeah. Like, let them see. If people are in a studio, they probably want to see the process. And right. they probably want to see the real process. By He's signing off. Sorry, Graber. We want to see the fuck up. You want, I mean, when we were kids, if you're watching the bed, if we're watching Tom DeLong sing, I miss you. And he like hits the wrong note and he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, bro, that's part of the, ma- and then like we go to, you know, we're listening to some of our friends and we're like, dude, that's the part when he like totally told Mark to suck his balls. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? By the way, that was an excellent Tom DeLong impression. <laughs> do you have any more that you can share with us? I don't even remember doing it. You said, 
Oh, fuck black- yeah. And it's Todd Glong voice. I blacked out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, those of you that got to witness that, you are privileged. And uh, luckily, this is recorded. Um, JC just said, find people you're okay with fucking up creatively in front of. I think that's true. But I think sometimes you're the person that you're not okay fucking up in front of. So no matter who you're with, that and that's the part we're getting at is like, no matter who you're with, if you're afraid to do it, it's not going to happen. Uh, and then people won't be able to see that beauty. Um, I'm thinking about a record. Uh, when I put out my first record, Bloom, before that, I had all these recordings of those songs on voice notes. And they were like dark and sad versions of songs that I polished a little bit. So I like spent all this time recording the record and then I play my buddy like all of those demos, like the actual record in sequence, but the demo version. He was like, wait, why didn't you put this out? And I'm like, no, 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 like that's too real. But he was like, I think all of these are better, like every single one. And I was like, but that only took me a minute, you know, like that only took me the time to make it. Um, So yeah, anyway. To make the best decision, right? So we don't know what's going to resonate with anyone, right? So we need to make what is going to get us excited to push something out there and get behind it in in a hundred percent way, right? And it's like, yeah, that's happened to me too, where it's like, oh, people think the demo's better, and this person. We also hold people's opinions to sometimes too high of a standard. Like, why, if you, like, yeah, I value your opinion, right? If you tell me something, though, like, I can't, that can't, like, change everything that I thought about it. Like, obviously, I made certain decisions, and if I'm super behind it, why am I allowing one person? Because, like, what's crazy to think about is what you're telling me to change or possibly change what if that's the thing that actually is going to resonate with people? And like, right. we don't know any. Right, right. And that's why I'm so careful nowadays when people ask me to give like actual feedback on music. Mm-hmm. Like I always am like, hey, mm-hmm. just to be clear, I don't know fucking anything like right. about. I could tell you what this is doing to me and what mm-hmm. I would do differently. But also like, I don't know, maybe that weird thing that I think sounds weird is going to make a bunch of kids dance to it on TikTok and like get you famous. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's so subjective. Um, and maybe and and contextual. Certain moments when I was playing the demo of that record in a car after we had like dinner and we were sitting outside and we had like a great night and I was like, yeah, I want to play you these songs. That context might be a better like those songs might resonate better. But in a general, maybe more broad context, they won't. So it's like, there's also that, which is so important. Um, you just concept. don't know. And also, like, who says you can't be like, hey, here's the same record, but yeah, demos. Right, even that. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing matters. <laughs> I mean, Tracy's like, I need to hear those. I got to find them. I really got to find them. They're somewhere. You know me. It's somewhere on Dropbox. Oh, this guy's got... Band logos from when we're 15. Yeah, it's all there. Um, okay, let's hop into another. Give me another number. Five. Ooh, okay, cool. Identity. I love that. Um, okay. What's your relationship with identity? I mean, you've been 
an artist and art and the identity of the artists are often very interwoven. Sometimes people find a healthy separation between them. What has your relationship been with identity and identifying as anything really um, throughout your creative career? I think I've always pretty much been the the artist is the person. I think for me, yeah. um, I think there was elevated and, you know, like even so, even when I like was acting and doing the, like the comedy web series, it was yeah. like me, but I would like, then it would be an elevated version of me right in this funny way or when i was doing the big dramatic addison project it was like it's me but a bit on steroids in the bigger picture um but i think at this point i think i always loved the performance art of it and character kind of vibe you know when like the cameras are on you get to be this person and I think there's something really beautiful about that, like Prince or Freddie. Um, and I, I love, even Gaga did it so well. Um, but nowadays, I feel like I just, my identity is me. And musically, like I'm pretty comfortable in my skin now. And, you know, obviously like when you're on stage, you want to be like a little cool. Get a little guy. <laughs> um, Ray had mentioned the many selves. Um, do you feel that there are many selves to you? And how do they? Well, you that? And my mind goes to there's many genres inside of me and Ray. And I think it is interesting, right? Like, I could kind of sing in any style and then it's like, so how do you choose? Right. Mm. I think you choose based on what you actually like, where does it go when you just do it? Not mm. when someone's like, Hey, I'm going to hire you to sing this brutal Mars vibe, or I'm going to hire you to sing this maroon five vibe for me. What is it that you go to when you just pick up an instrument? Mm -hmm. But I don't think the, identity changes totally like i think it's it's real i mean in that aspect what i'm talking about is more voice acting right except you're saying right where you're intentionally adding another layer to uh, on top of you or around you so that it it isn't you at the core they're asking for something specific something right. that inherently if they're asking for bruno mars they're asking for him through you like channeling him um right but as an artist, like, what has that relationship been with, like, the identity of One Love or the identity of Rose Colored World or, like, and how you relate to that identity? And has it been an evolution towards pulling it closer to you, further from you, having a separation between those things? I think I was always, so this is how I'll explain it. When I was One Love, I felt like who I was being was the person that I wanted to be. I wasn't there. There was a gap right? Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to be the super spiritual and there was parts of that in me for sure. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to be this positive manifester, beautiful person. I wasn't at the time. 
I was, I mean, I was kind, I had, you know, moments like that. Mm-hmm. And then the beginning of RCW, when we were, you know, created, I mean, it's gone through so many evolutions to finally land on yeah. something where I feel like there's no gap anymore for me mm-hmm. in my, like the music we're making and the person I'm being is coming together in, in the first time, like the smallest, there's no real separation between those. Like, I don't feel like there's any fraudulence going on. And I don't mean that like even in a negative way when you all, right. I mean, it's just part of the, there's no additional layers that you've constructed. They're just the layers that you have built naturally over the years. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And she was talking, I think more internally as well, like the many selves that are internally, the many layers that are internal. So, you know, like I was thinking the other day, I'm like, I love animation, but I also love songwriting. And I also love being a son and like a uh, uh, cousin, you know, and like those things are not related per se. Um, sometimes there are parallels and there are obviously some through ways, but the many selves, uh, the many identities you almost carry in that, in that way as well? Or do you feel like that's but the same But I feel thing? like that identity that you're speaking of, at least with you or myself, like you're still being the same person in mm. one of those. So if they, like you were feel like web and it's like Mike Morgan to his family, to his work, mm. to this, this, I feel like you're being the same person right. all around, right? Like there's not, yeah. A, you know, it's like, not like, okay, here, I got to speak to them like this, right. I got to do this. And that's, I think, all about, you know, you're trying to please people. And I've been there, you've been there in our lives. Yeah. And I mean, I know I'm trying to just be like, say how I really feel in a nice way, you know, and be like, no, I don't, I don't think that's cool that you just said that instead yeah. of being like, oh, okay. That has me thinking like the further we disconnect with our core self, whatever that means. And there's obviously philosophers have studied this way deeper than we are going to in the next 10 minutes. But um, the further you get away from your core identity, the easier it is to allow sort of like negativity to hit these other identities. It's like, oh, when I'm, you know, the artist and people give me feedback, like, I pander to that, let's say. But if it's like, well, would you, like, do you feel good about that? It's like, no. So the closer you get to like that sense of self, the easier it is to say, hey, that hurt me. Like, it's not an external layer. It's not a facade. It's it's me and it's hurtful. Yeah. Because it's also hard to give your honest opinion rather than wanting to say what you think someone wants to hear or saying something that, think will position yourself better in a certain situation yes and that's how you develop these false identities i would say and i think that's difficult i think we've all been there i think you know i'm still there at times like i I don't even think it's a like you're there and then you're not i think there's times where yeah you could slip back but i think it's about being aware like when you're not aware of these conversations like we have often it's like it's hard to not be there more often. Mm, yes. You know, it's easy to recognize when you're slipping into that. Am I just pleasing these people? 
or do I actually like feel this way? Um, and I think early on, it's, it's hard to notice the difference because you've like, you've put so much into that identity. Um, and there's and, also so much weight sometimes in those relationships, you know, and it's like, you know, that you meet someone that you know could potentially change the way that you live, mm-hmm. right? It's hard to, but again, it's such a catch 22 because like this thing that is going to make you like, if you want to work, let's say you want to work with this person, the thing that's going to make them want to work with you, if they want to work with you or not, right? You have right. they want to work with you or they don't want to work with you, but your best shot of them wanting to work with you is probably you just being a hundred percent yourself. Right. And you, you said it, them wanting to work with you. <laughs> so who's the you, the one that they right. want or the one that right. you are? Yeah. Right. They don't right. work with what you think that they want or this weird thing. And I think we do that a lot. And artists do that. I did it for so long. And it's like, fuck it. I just want to like make music that I seriously love. Like this record that we're going to put out, it's like, I love it so much that I want to go out there and play it every night with everything Mm -hmm. in me. And I haven't felt that way in years because it's always just been about somebody in my year being like, no, this is what you need to make. Like, this is what... Mm -hmm. They like this single, so we got to make four more like this. And then it's really? like, how did this happen? Like, why am I make what is, why am I making a funk record? I do like, <laughs> you know, uh, let's talk about, uh, well, we kind of, I mentioned it. I don't know if we really touched on it, but intuition, how is, uh, and I think we're actually getting to that in a way. How has, um, so we talked about identity, um, how has intuition started playing a role in your process and um does it and what does it look like what does it feel like okay so obviously we both know what intuition means but i would love to know what the definition of intuition sure is. yeah yeah so intuition is defined as the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning so really it's saying gut feeling yeah or what you said earlier which is um where do you go when you just play you know, when you just play the instrument, that right. is the intuitive uh, mind. I would say that for me, listening to my intuition, Ray could vouch for this. I'm typically like correct about a lot of interactions with people or moves or mu- music. And I'm not always right musically, I'm not, but I'm saying like, intuitively i am listening to that more like for so long i i like would have that intuition and then i would go with someone else right let's say the guy that was paying for the marketing like i would with his intuition and it never does i'm upset because i'm not i didn't get to try it the way that i was feeling why uh, it was always based on fear of finances. Oh, well, I'm not going to be able to, you know, pay my bills. I'm not going to be able to. Or fear of ruining a relationship that can potentially pay the bills, right? It just always had to do with fear. And not that I don't have fear, but I have a lot less fear nowadays. So it's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go with my intuition. 
and what it's great having a partner that our intuition a lot of times are aligned. What is the downside of intuition in your opinion? I think it's a battle within yourself because you don't know. Yeah. That's the thing about intuition. It's like, I could be right. I could be wrong. Like if you're making a bet on a fight, you're like, my intuition says this guy's going. But you're going to watch it by now because you don't know. Right, right. So I think the downside, I don't think there's a downside of having intuition because we all have that gut feelings. And I would probably, if we took a poll, I would think it's likely that people are like often saying, fuck, I should have went with my guy. I just, yeah. I knew something was up, you know, or right. I mean, how many times do we say that? Yeah. Like, ah, there was something off about that. I knew it. I knew it from day one, but you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's like, I knew it was too good to be true. I knew that guy <laughs> wasn't going to give me a million dollars for an envelope. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> um, you mentioned fear. I want to talk about fear. Uh, fear. What do you fear? Can you tell me every single thing that you're afraid of on this live? <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is going to be a while. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, fear of death. I'm going to talk about all the fears I've had because some of them are in here. I love them. I didn't yeah. actually mean for you to answer this question, but I love so much that you're, you are. Fear <laughs> <laughs> of having money, um, always fearing something is horribly, deathly wrong with me. Knee hurts, dying. Elbow, gone tomorrow. Can't even see. Remove it. I uh, know, but fear is such, plays such a role in in my life. And it was literally once I let go of fear all around and I still like have bouts with it, but it literally changed my life in every way. It changed it. If you don't have fear of money and you just know that it's going to come in, whether you, you know, it just will. Like every time I've let go of it, you get the call. Like it's all good. Then you yep. can just start actually living. Like if you don't have fear, like so many people has fear of money and stability. And that's why so many people go work a job that they're not entirely happy with, which by the way, I'm not judging. Like there's a piece of me when I was super broke that wishes I was able to do that. Like I wish, mm. I wish that I could be okay with just going in and getting the paycheck and right. But for me, the exciting part of life is not knowing. I don't want to know how much I'm going to make this week. I want to, I could make a million dollars this week. I don't know. Right. Or I could make nothing, but I mm. think that's exciting. I, it's just all about living life on my terms, you know, I think. Yes. But the fear is what holds us back. The fear is what, you know, keeps us locked up inside of ourselves, like in everything, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to write a song. What if, what if no one likes it? What if nobody listens to it? Okay then nobody listens to it and nothing changes from right now. What if mm. it's bad? Okay, then don't put it out until it's not bad. <laughs> yep. This, there's so many, like being liked, stability, illness, money, death. Death anxiety is a written about, well thought through uh, concept 
with early philosophers, existential philosophers who were obsessed with that question is like, they were saying essentially people's identities are formed because of death anxiety. Um, so like their fear of knowing that they'll die subconsciously leads them to develop identities and breaking them is almost a form of death. So like if you shatter it, you're in the unknown now. So then like now you might think about death. Now you might realize that it's finite. Um, so I always thought that was a really interesting concept, the link between fear, identity. Well, that reminds me of, I was having really bad um, anxiety due, as I said, you know, I have like medical anxiety for me, which means I'm always thinking that something is wrong with me. And, I'm gonna mm -hmm. and yeah. um, I had this heart thing that I was having, I told you about. And I wound up like going to get an EKG and I was fine. And then like, by the way, it just never happened again. The thing that I was, in, <laughs> it was like all in my mind. Yeah. Um, but I, I started researching online. I don't know how I came about it. It was like divine time because every person that has had not near death experiences, like literally died and then came back. Mm. They all say the same thing, like no matter what age. And they they have no fear of death. Yeah. And they literally are able to start living. Like their biggest thing is like, I wish this happened sooner. Like, mm -hmm. because whatever happens, we don't know, right? But if I'm like, I'm, li I'm like a factual guy, that's what I like. Like, obviously I have faith and all that, but like when it comes to shit like that, I'm like, all right, but I got to like hear it from these people. And... They're the closest ones that did it, but came back to talk. Typically, when you die, you can't come back and be like, oh, guys, it's going to be fine. You don't have to worry about it. It's great. You know? Yeah. And they all say the same thing. It was just calming. And it wasn't like, you should look at it. It's just, it's wild. And not what res is there a name for this, these kinds of people? I feel like there's definitely like a catchy name on the internet for these kinds of people. I think it's, uh, what's, do they call them NDEs? I don't know if I can make it up. Near death, Near death experience? I don't know, but dude, some of these people were out for like, you know, 20 minutes out to lunch, like, see you later. And they always return with that, bro, they have no fear of that thing anymore. And they could just live their life. There is a Near Death Experience Research Foundation, N-D-E-R-F. <laughs> There are over 4,900 experiences from all over the world about these near-death experiences. Insane. Yeah, I know nothing about this organization, but fascinating. I know nothing about this organization except that <laughs> I started it and uh, we're taking charities live in the air. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, we are raising money for them. So please. You can just spend money and I'll give it to them, I promise. Promise. Um, if I ever have a near death and come back, I'll give it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, their fear goes away, which is crazy. That's so cool. That's so cool. And, uh, I heard, um, some hallucinogens, like they're, they're trying, um, you know, to give mushrooms or psilocybin to, um, like near death cancer patients, like terminally ill people that are freaking out about dying having these experiences, coming back from it, like totally accepting of their fate. Um, 
fascinating. And when I did psilocybin, I mean, it changed my life. Like it was yeah. fucking beautiful. So I let's do it right now. I'm ready. Um, okay. Well, we got fear. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about, we, cause we covered a lot of these. Let's talk about environment. But so the environment for creative process, uh, what is your relationship with environment? Uh, how has the environment helped you create? How has it hurt creativity? How can it be improved? So for me, what I've realized is that my studio needs to be clean or else one, I'm less inclined to go sit down to work. And then my sessions are dirtier if like I have some papers on my desk. Like if everything in the area is super clean and simple, my sessions are cleaner and simple. And I feel like translates to the end result being that, like reflecting that. Mm. I see that. But um, I think for music too, like I know you're all about setting the environment and, uh, you know, it's hard to like make rock songs if you're in your pajamas because like you don't mm-hmm. feel it. You know, you got to put on those tight jeans and really just rock out in your in your house. Unless you're making pajama rock, in which case... Which is actually, thank you for mentioning that. It's a good segue into the release of my solo record called Pajama Rock. I'll be open while he does sob rock. Pajama Rock. I like it. Um, So environment, uh, has it always been that way? Have you always cared about that? Or like, have there been more suitable environments for other projects? No, I never cared about that at all. And... um, I would say, I would think that it didn't help. Mm. Meaning it didn't help the creative process. It I think help. that, I think it could have when like, if I was living, when I was living in the practice space, for example, that I spoke about, it was like, and I just had my guitar there. I think that probably because that fit the environment for mm. what I was doing. At the right. Time. But. I think the environment could work against you, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's, it's, for me, it's more about my environment here. Yeah. Like, it's so hard to create any art out of desperation. It's, I mean, it's hard to create anything out of desperation. Where you're like, I need to do this in order to do this or... You know, it's hard to make music when you don't know how you're paying rent in two days, you know? Right. It's, it's tough. And I'm definitely. That. Yeah. I mean, I know, I feel like there's always so many mythical stories of like mythical, just really being rooted in the fact that it is a myth in that, not that there's like wizards or anything, but mythical stories of like artists where they were like, uh, you know, we had no money and we were like, needed to make it and then we made this amazing record that's like the best record ever and got them super famous like there's a lot of that narrative i don't know how often that's the case and i also don't know how true it is i also like i'm not saying that 
they didn't need to make the record or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what were the circumstances? You know, I just don't, we don't know. Like, were you living on the street? Were you close to living on the street? Do you mean right. you need to make this record or else you'd be dropped from the major label? Like, mm-hmm. what does it mean exactly? But I think it could. I think it, like, I think the the desperation, if it's like this long-term thing, could mm-hmm. help you. If there's like this fire in you, then sure. But if it's like, what I'm talking about is the day-to-day, don't know how you're going to pay for food. It's hard to write from that. You know, there's always so many songs you could write about not being able to pay for your feeling broke. So I like that distinction between the long-term versus short-term despair where like long-term saying, I'd love to be there. You have this vision. You're like really working towards it, riding the roller coaster versus like every day is music. Like I need this shit. Yeah. I think that could be used as fire for sure. Right. Right. Love that. So mental environment, physical environment. I feel like you've always worked with at least one person on every project you've worked on. So I think you might be someone that is a semi-expert in collaboration, um, an Instagram expert in collaboration. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, collaboration over the years. How is Thinking about collaboration changed. What have you learned? What are the challenges there? All that. I think growing up in a band's collaboration with multiple individuals is definitely a challenging thing. And, you know, bands that stayed together for so long, I couldn't That's awesome. Um, when I first moved to LA and I signed my first publishing deal, it was like I was in a new session every day with a different person. Yeah, that collaboration is very interesting because you're like, hey, how are you? I'm Addison. Nice to meet you. Let's write a song. You know, Um, I got kind of burnt out on that. Um, So then I just found the people that I love collaborating with and I've kind of kept it in that home, Um, especially in this project with Ray. I mean, it started as just her and I. I mean, most of the songs start with just her um, to completion. Um, it's funny you just mentioned that. I didn't realize that every musical situation I've been in, there has been yeah, someone, which makes me wonder eventually down the line, now that I'm capable you know, of fully producing and finishing records, what it would what it would sound like I just made a full record, like sitting in a room by myself, like with not as I, I would love to produce both you and Ray's records separately. <laughs> like, I think both of you should both make records because I think they'll be wildly different. And I think that after what you make together will also be wildly different and inspired by those kind of individual journeys. Yeah. So I think that sounds great, but that would be, than having me collaborate with someone. True. Oh, oh yeah, right, right. Never mind. It was a trick question. I feel like I don't know what it would sound like if I was just like sitting yeah. there, yeah, not having any influence from anyone. 
you know, for right. That, that I, what I just said made no sense. Apologies to everyone that had to hear that. I'm um, so sorry. So sorry about that. Yeah, but that's a great, great point. Just you, just her working on a record. I would be, I know that I would love both, but I'm, I don't know what either would sound like. I have an idea. I have an idea. I think Ray's would still. Whoa, whoa. Like, we don't want to, we don't want to bait anyone. We don't want to still. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, because maybe like you get into it and then you realize, well, there's some deeper, like there's a deeper influence that I'm going for. Um, who knows? But that's cool. I want to see it happen. Yeah, me too. One day. One day. So collaboration. Yeah, but you've worked with people this whole time. So to, to psychoanalyze it for a bit, why do you think that is early on? And now what do you like about well, it? Because of... Um, insecurities and self-esteem issue. I mean, because I started as a drummer and being told I couldn't really sing as you're aware of, um, it took a long time for me to, that's why I say like me being considered a singer living in LA and, you know, not having to work a normal job, like I've won. Right. Cause it's like nobody around me growing up expected that to even be a thing it was like stick to drums that's what you're good at and it's like well fuck you i think i could be good at different things too it's also like again you're taking this to heart from people that <laughs> why like they don't know what do you mean like it's not like when somebody would be like stick to drums they were it was like you know John Mayer telling me that or somebody like right but even he he's a guitarist no, I see about drums totally. but you know what I'm saying it's not like yeah some amazing vocalist that would say that to me it's like some guy from Cleveland it's right like, right wait a second why am I taking this so seriously okay so there's another point so there's another topic about feedback and there's an intersection here which is that during collaboration there's inherently an endless feedback loop that's that you're agreeing or sometimes unconsciously agreeing to like, Hey, we're going to partner, which means like I'm producing your record. That means you and I are now linked in a feedback loop where you say things and I say things and it's back and forth. So early on, you're saying is that you were in a feedback loop with people whose opinion you didn't even really admire or like aspire towards, but you didn't even know that then you were just in it. And they were giving feedback and it was, was affecting you beyond just uh, being a drummer, but what what else you could be. So that's really interesting. And that's, that's why John was the first, not first. I mean, you were actually my first collaboration that yeah. I felt wow. like I was hurt, right? Like when we did that first EP when we were 16, like we did in a week, yeah. it was like, that was stream of consciousness, things aligning and things just working and trusting each other. It's like, hey, Anison, here's these lyrics that I wrote. Okay, well, here's the melodies that should be here, me to you. And, right. and just trusting each other, like not even like changing anything. You yeah, know, it was like, never, uh, and, yeah. And, and I think that's what then happened. My second one was with John, which is how I wound up being here in L.A., because we just listened to each other. We trusted each other and the, and the art intuition aligned for a long time. So it was like, 
oh yeah, fuck yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. You know? And now I would say with Ray, it's like that um, again. And I've definitely had other people like that, like my boy, Genesee. Um, but somebody, I mean, Ray and I, obviously we have different opinions sometimes. And both of us sometimes go either her to me or me to her. Like she's like, no, you like, we can't, that melody shouldn't change in the chorus. And I'm like, I'm telling you, just go with this right now. Like if you hate it later, we could, we, I'm down to change, you know? And a lot of times it's like, oh fuck, that was a good move or me to her. Like stick to this, the melody that we stayed, tried, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she like does something else and I don't like it. And then like, I'm like, fuck, I'm so happy you did that, you know? Right. But a lot of times it's like, we're, we're going to say the same things almost at the same time, but that's because we, it's so different because not only are we living together, we are in love and like linked emotionally. And then we're making music together. And we're, it's literally like we have a USB drive, like fucking plugged into each other. She's like, I think you should be putting this story. I'm like, already on it. How right, right. Now? You know? Well, some of that though is having now developed patterns together that it's like, you know, so there's like, I like viewing all of these um, things we're talking about across the spectrum. So it's like the benefit of collaboration. It, we talked about the downside, which is you, you've now agreed to this subconscious feedback loop, or maybe you've agreed on, I want to work with this person. You're aligning on, you're almost aligning on intuition is what the goal is in a healthy, functioning, collaborative relationship. But then there's the downside of being aligned on intuition at the same, you know what I mean? Mm. So- I, I think what my purpose of writing the book and like expressing a lot of these points is that there exists a spectrum across so many different things in the creative process. It's not subjective, meaning like it's just bits of information that like anyone can decide anything. It exists along variables. So it's like aligned intuition is a good thing until it's not a good thing, you know, like, and so like, how do you keep the intuition um, fresh? And like, how do you, I think it's, I think think when I was coming back to what I said originally, beginning, right? It's so, it's not so easy, but it's easier to have that trust, right? Then all of a sudden, when the ego comes into play, and let's say you put that first stuff out, you're getting feedback. It's like, hey, Addison, you really, you sound great on this part. You should do that more. You should do that. Then if you allow that ego in while you're then collaborating, you're fucking with your intuition because your intuition, you're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and we have to check each other sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to not sing anything on this song except the bridge. And it's like, well, do you not want to do that because that's what's best for the song? Or is that because of your pride and ego? And mm-hmm. I think it's so important to keep that shit in check because that will ruin collaboration. I mean, I'm sure that's what's happened with some of the biggest bands, like where they're duos. I mean, Joe right. I don't know what happened, you know, or have you watched the Hulu documentary yet? Not the new one. Uh, ben Silverberg told me it's amazing. I haven't seen it either. It's yeah, him, Rick great. Yeah. Anyway, but I think that's what happens. I think a lot of times these teams, I mean, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry and just egos get in the way. And 
when you're all at this level playing field, it doesn't fucking matter, right? You agree to this mm-hmm. feedback loop, like you say, it's like, we're going to do this and it's going to be great. And yeah. Until it's not, until some shit happens. And bro, you throw money, success, mm. um, fucking popularity, compliments at humans at once, it usually doesn't end well. Like when it's just like all at once. That's interesting. It makes me think like in collaboration, there's two individuals and the currency is feedback and and energy helping to like move a project forward and, and make it good or something that they both mutually love. And then you start collaborating with money and expectations and ego and feedback and, and feedback from others and compliments, which is feedback. And that starts collaborating with you in the room. Um, that's, yeah, and I really thought about that, like letting that kind of stuff in, you're actually letting it into the collaboration. Yeah, which can't, that's when I think shit can go wrong. Like, I mean, mm. Ray and I have been collaborating now for three and a half years. And, yeah. you know, we really ironed out the process of what that looks yeah. like efficiently and going with our intuition. It's like, now it's like, we almost know who's going to sing. Okay. Yeah. You're doing, the, mm-hmm. let's try you on the bird, you know, let's get this done. And then you'll hop on harmony, whatever. And that takes like anything comes back to practice. It takes, bro, you just gotta do the shit every day. You gotta, yeah. there's nothing like actually, right. um, just being here. That's recorded. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Can't wait to pull these clips. The Tom DeLong impression, though, is going to be a huge bit. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, I, I love that riff. I think collaboration sometimes is like just a thing that people say, and it's really just means working with other people. Um, but the relationship of that is, and creative collaboration is, there's a lot to it. And I think you covered a lot, like the having to align intuitions, agreeing or subconsciously agreeing to a feedback loop, um, the responsibility of like being a half or a quarter or whatever the configuration is of it. Um, the difference, the evolution between early collaboration and late collaboration and like what changes and like what gets seeps into the collaboration. You said ego and under that, like money and success and compliments and all the things that distort or create an identity. So yeah, those are really good points. Yeah, Yeah, bro. Cleaned it up a little bit. (laughs) No, it's all there. Um, I want to talk about limits because I think what we're getting at here is like, there are some limits here as well. So like the limit of knowing like what someone's going to do is like, there's a benefit. There's like a limit there, but I'm also wondering like using limits as a means of creating like intentionally limiting. Oh yeah. I like, I, I've always, I haven't, like done it a ton, but I remember years ago when um this band MXMS was making their first stuff. Right. I remember him telling me he was in the studio and uh he's like, Yeah, I'm only using 
keyboards and like drums. Like I'm not allowed to use, I don't remember the configuration, whatever it was, it was like, yeah. I'm not allowed to use this other thing. Um, I don't know what the fuck I was saying. Uh, we're talking about limits. Uh, yeah, at, yeah. At, yeah, I think it's cool when you say, okay, today I'm not allowed to, because we were in a place where we could like, you can create so much. You could like do whatever you want artistically. And I think having some limits, I haven't done it enough to know what the benefits are or like for me personally, but have you? Uh, yeah, I kind of see it. The The term pivoting around limits makes sense to me in this situation. So like pivoting in like basketball where you're like one leg is fixed, but the other leg is moving. Um, so like a limit to me is like the the right leg is fixed, but the left leg needs to, it can move, but it can only move in relation to the thing that's fixed. So I like using limits in that way where it's like, I'm not both legs are fixed because then it's the same shit every day unless you like move both legs. Like I like this idea. So when I'm making pattern designs, like you'll see, I'll post them on Instagram, be like 50 different patterns in like one story. Um, and what I do is always pivot. So I'm like giving away one of my, my biggest like exercises, which is, and I love it. And I recommend people try it is like, I make a core pattern and then I'm like, how can I shift an attribute? Whether it's like, oh, everything's angular, I'm going to round it. Or everything's red, I'm going to like change the color. You know, like I'm going to change an attribute and see how it, you know, then affects the whole. How many times would you say, not an exact number, but how often does it happen that your first idea was the best? I think it's, it happens less than the other way, I would say definitely happens less than the other and i mean best idea meaning the one that i'm like ooh, this is the one I best there is no bet for you yeah the one yeah, that yeah. You would go with i, I right so one that i'm like i'm proud to show this one if i had to choose one pattern i want to show yeah. this one yeah. it's usually not the first it's usually the seventh the ninth the sixth something like deeper into it because what i find is that it'll be like you're pivoting with two legs and then all of a sudden like you've now have like two legs that are stuck and now there's an, another leg that appears that you could pivot around. So it's like, you're kind of creating this language of limits as you're progressing. So like right. to me, it's like, all right, I'm using one limit. It got me like three designs and now I'm going to add another limit and it's going to get me another three. And then I'm like, can I add a third or is it like starting to get too much? And that's when I'll just stop when I'm like energetically tapped out or like I can't even come up with another way of moving forward. And then I'll just step back this. And when I look at it, I'm always like, it's always later. It's always when there's that one limit that compounded on another. Oh, in a good way. Yeah. It's, it's fun to do. And that's what I was trying with you that night. Like, all right, keep that riff. That's what you're pivoting around. But you're pivoting your vocal melody around that. And now we're going to use um, register as the thing you're pivoting. But that's changing every time. The, so the thing is, with me, I feel like that works sometimes when we tried. But for me, it's like, if I can just go to the place where I'm not here, that is when my happens, like, yes. basically. So whatever that means, like, 
So if I'm thinking about how, if I'm pivoting this one thing, I'm thinking about it, right? Which yes. practice to not think about mm-hmm. it. But exactly. when I, or like two days ago, we were working on this bridge and I was like trying something and I'm like, wait, what would I just do here? And I just like did it. It's like, oh, well, that's it, you know? Right. And like Ray has been very good at like catching me when I'm gone, where I'm just like not there. And she starts recording because before her, I would lose so many amazing things that I thought were great because I could never get it back. You know, exactly. like, like the Tom DeLong thing that you just asked me. Yeah, yeah. It's gone right. for me. Like I wasn't, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I think, and that doesn't mean that it's my first idea, but that means when I listen back and I don't remember doing it, it seems to be more special than when I'm, because the thing is, is my goal is to just get out of my own way. So I get out of my own way and just let my heart or whatever you want to call it, your soul, whatever, Mm -hmm. creates these moments in music. Yes which is a whole nother conversation because where the fuck does that come from? Um, because they, so I guess you could, you could quant quantize to how many melodies there are of like available to be made in. You could. He, 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 it's, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's almost a miracle that we make new songs still, you know? No, no, because if you looked at every note in every register, underneath every node in every register for different instruments, the uh, combinations between those would be pretty much infinite. I'm not going to sit here and add it up right now, but I'm not a man. So I can't really help you here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you brought up a good point, which is limits. When are they good? When are they bad? Like when are they bad? Meaning when are they, when are the limits limiting your uh, creativity and one of their limits being used to um, generate creativity, um, like to advance ideas rather than to prevent ideas. And I think that's that's the distinction. Yeah, because I think that if I was able to limit myself and then as well go away mm-hmm. in myself, so yeah, live up and lose myself. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, and then I think it would be very productive, right? I th- so, like- so here's an example to related to music. You've limited yourself for a song on a genre, let's say, but you're then pivoting around every other attribute, ultimately. Or you might be limiting by like we're we're definitely using piano and guitar in the song, and it's going to be a pop punk song. So there's two limits there. And then everything's pivoting around it. So it is happening. Um, and I think part of it is... Yes, with that, part of it is... I don't have to be, like, in my place for that stuff, right? Because there's like, a lot of... Like, or, way. Yeah, yeah. The, the, or, like, the songwriting, mm-hmm. I have to be there for but yes, when it comes to, I didn't think of that, but when it comes to like the production attributes around it, then you could limit yourself and not limit yourself. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. this is starting to not sound like the genre we're going for. Let's 
try some other shit. Like, right. and it's so weird. Yeah, it works because it's like the things that make genres genres are literally just sounds. And you know, if you have a guitar with more reverb and less crunch, you're indie. If you have any <laughs> more crunch and no <laughs> reverb, you're pop. If you have too much crunch, then you're metal. And right. it's just. If you have verb on the drums, you're indie. If it's clean and punchy, it's rock. If it's not live, it's pop. It's just like, yeah. So crazy. I mean, genre being the parent element and then the child being like tone. I mean, tone is going to, you know, if you're an acoustic guitar and like you're doing certain vocal inflections, there's folk music, you know, like right. it's, it's tone choices. But again, if you lock the genre and say we're doing a folk record, but what we're pivoting around is like, um, we're keeping acoustic as a tone, but we're pivoting around vocal melody, um, or sorry, we're pivoting around tone, uh, and we're using vocal melody as a variable thing that we're going to try. Limit could be cool. Like you were like, okay, I'm going to make a folk record, but I'm only going to use drum machines from the nineties, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a cool limit. Now, is that going to be great? I don't know. It could be terrible. It could be right. great. But the, fr- the first one will be terrible. I always allow the first one to be terrible. <laughs> um, the funny is, is my first ones are typically, like, when I get something new, my first yeah. thing are always, to me, really good. Because right. I don't know why. I don't know. Like, Sober was the first pop punk song we did. And like, mm-hmm. It wasn't shit. Like, I really liked that song. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, but it's thing. That's another thing. That's like personal evaluation because I think that the first pattern I make isn't bad. It could be released. I could put it on a skateboard or a shirt. It's not like it's bad inherently. It's more like, it's like a layering process of like, what else could I bring of me into this? There's a few that are all kind of interrelated here. Um, I want to talk about feedback first, and then I know where I want to end. So, yeah. Feedback. Just been a topic for you and I for a while. Yeah. What if we... But I try, I'm trying not to, like I was saying before, take it so, like I give it so much power. Mm. Like a lot of times I can't just take feedback as one person's opinion. And, uh, and also it doesn't, it just, I do have my layers down pat, um, <laughs> which doesn't mean that I won't try it. Right. But I, I let it hold a lot of weight mm-hmm. and that's something that I'm working on still because that comes from just insecurities, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, well, feedback's great, and a lot of great things happen from feedback in every sort of business. Um, but I also, at some point, you do have to have a backbone of beliefs and vibe of like what you really fuck with too, and you can't just mm-hmm. like be changing everything because people are telling you. You know, that'll that you'll be in a loop of feedback, and then it's like, fuck, I don't know what I even like anymore, you know? Because at the end of the day, I have to like what I'm making so much because I have to be selling shit every day, right? I got to be out there 
So you have to weigh out that feedback. It's like, well, that's a really good idea, but could I see myself singing that every night? Like, do I want to be performing it that way? Right. And so much of this is, yeah, that's where that subjectivity comes in is like, I could say, hey, change this thing. I think it's better, whatever that means. And you're like, I don't feel good doing it. And then it's like, one part of that is, do you not feel good doing it because it's the first time doing it? Another part is like, does it just not work with you uh, emotionally or does it not work with you um, from like a uh, nervous system point of view? Or again, is it just novelty that feels different? It's, it's, that is the, I would say where the subjectivity and creativity really lies. Like, and it's always different and it's confusing. Like, I remember when Graeber put the live drums in and mixed the EP, it was like, at first, because it's so different, I'm like, so unsure about everything about it. And then like, you can't really get your opinion. Like I stopped giving notes on mixes for like a day, like mm -hmm. the first mix, because I need to like actually sit with it rather than go off my first like reaction because I've been hearing it my way, the way that I mixed it. Right. And if there's no live drums and now there's live drums, I mean, that completely changes everything. Yeah. With frequency. Like it's completely yeah. different. Um, but then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait, I really like this. So yeah. it's like, it, that fucked me up because I'm like, wait, I thought I'm supposed to trust my intuition. And like my first gut thing was this, but it's complicated, man. It is. I think, and that's why it's like, we, we just ventured into a place where I was like, oh shit, this is actually, we've like, we've found, did you watch Loki? Uh, I didn't finish the last three episodes we got to like where they were trying to go, you know? And it's just like, it opens up a wormhole and it's like, right. But that is in the creative process. Like where subjectivity lies is in how do you handle the internal or external feedback? Because is it good feedback? Is it bad feedback? Meaning is it phrased well, but also like, do you not like agree with the feedback because it's new to you or because it's like, uh, new to you and doesn't maybe agree with what you're going for. Um, and so it's, there isn't really an answer that I'm expecting from you here, but I think it is an interesting. No, yeah. I think it's just discussing it. Like, yeah, because then there's times when I want that new thing to work. Right. Mm -hmm. Because let's say I'm paying for a service or, um, right. this, this is what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to give it to this guy. And then this is going to be a thing. And then you give these notes and you're like making it as best as it can be. And then there's been times then when you listen back to your one and you're like, it's such a, it's such a like deflating feeling going, well, fuck, like this one, I like, I think I like more. Like, yeah, it does something to me that this, that like, so for me, when I'm generating those patterns, that's an easy and short and fast creative process. So why I like using example is that it doesn't take, it might take, let's say 10 minutes to generate 25 of them. But imagine I was able to do 25 versions of one song in 10 minutes. And then I can step back and say, it is the third one. It's not the 25th one. And it's not the first one. It's actually the third. And I think for certain pieces of work, they take so much time that 
you get wedded to what is there. I think with music, like it has to take the time at the very least to record everything. And then there's the mixing and all this other stuff. So one song might take, one version of one song might take 18 hours and another version might take 19 hours and another one might take 30. So it's also evaluating how many, how much energy can I give to one song? How many versions? And then another one you're done in two hours. Right. And it's possible that the third might be the one that you end up loving. Um, I think it's, that is where it gets to that financial freedom is like, do you have the time to experiment with this song and do three versions? Like definitely fucking do it. You know, why not? Where that's where my intuition sometimes plays against me because like, let's say my gut is like, you know what? I'm going to go with my mix. And like, I'm like, wait, but can I wait? Is it? better what am i why am i feeling this is it because i did it or is it because i like it better right or is, you know and that's where it's actually like, like it better because i've heard it more yeah it's like so yep. much but that's where external feedback comes in in a good way where it doesn't open up a wormhole where it's like you can be more quantitatively evaluating it where it's like i said right. people and eight out of ten said the first version um, so feedback, really interesting. That's where subjectivity lies. Um, your insecurities can lead you to saying, sure, like Mike's feedback is right, whether or not you even agree with it. There's other times where it's like, is my feedback right? But is it because it's my feedback or is it because, um, I, is the only idea I tried or is it because it does feel better? Um, and then using feedback externally to kind of gauge that, like, am I just like really wedded to this concept because I spent 30 hours, that's a real commitment or 10 hours sure. doing song. I mean, that's a real commitment. So getting that external feedback can hurt more because it's like, yeah, dude, actually it was like the first, um, <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. It's like a whole psycho. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it can hurt more when a song that you worked let's say you did two versions or three versions so 30 hours total when someone says yeah i don't you know i, I don't like uh the latest one because it's like oh we just add, you know we could have potentially in another world only done two and they like the second more but that's where getting comfortable and open with the variations developing processes around variation and efficiencies will help because then you can be like, oh, it only took like an hour to do like a different version or something, you know? I think that's so true. I think at some point we have to make the best decision that we can, you know, in that moment and move on because that's another thing. Like, I don't just want when music just being like Ben Silverberg's here. This is just the whole party. Yeah, I was just about to say, he's here we've had (laughs) a few minutes ago. Instagram and it told him. I feel like I don't want all, you know, these songs just sitting on a hard drive because then what's the point? I mean, unless that's right. your thing, right? Unless you're just like writing for the therapy for you and you just want right. to sit there. That's fine. Or like I said, you have the, the bandwidth to like, you know, you have a record deal. They're like, yo, take a year, make a whole record. And you want to try sure. three different versions, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I remember 
hearing Ryan Lewis say that he would like try a whole drum beat on one of his beats and then just like mute them all and do it like same time, something great. And that just sounds insane to me, but also that's like the way that you kind of work with design, you know? Yeah. Me, I'm like, it's either working or it's not. And I'm doing that, but only if I feel a need, right? Like if something's right. working, working. If it's not, okay, then I mute and try something new. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of different ways that things can work, you know? Right, right. It's, I was just teaching this in the class about decision-making and uh, how people like figure things out. And there's all different models to the way in which someone can figure things out. And it's like, if you're making value judgments forward the whole time, like, does this work? Yes, yes, yes. It's like checking boxes and it works. There's other models where you're kind of like going forward and going backwards, like kind of circular to move to a next section, move a little, you know, like it's, again, it's such a subjective way of even saying, here's how you can create. Um, but I love that we have a difference in that because it demonstrates the fact that there are multiple ways of, of exploring creativity. Um, I've been times when I've seen, you know, on a vocal, it's all one take, right? And right. there's times when I'll comp every word and it's so interesting that both can work, right? Like there's no, yeah. there's no right or wrong. Like a producer I know literally comps three times, mm -hmm. like does a comp, mutes it, does a comp, mutes it, mm -hmm. does a comp, and then makes a super comp with those three comps. Mm -hmm. And that, that now that dude is at the highest level, you know what I mean? Like making some of today's hits or whatever. So then you look at that, you're like, okay, is there something to be said about that? And um, I think it all works. Mm. Yeah, Nate just said, it's interesting considering the value judgment of a creative idea while creating the idea versus after the idea is created. Mm. Well, I think ultimately you are... So I think a lot of this, there's a layer which we're talking about creativity, which is the conscious layer. There's a subconscious layer. There's the vibrational frequencies in the nervous system that are at play as well. There's your subconscious, which we can't access. So I think that in those areas, it is making a decision. Like if you hear a note that you like and a chord that you like, and you say consciously that it feels good, a ton of other shit's happening that made that judgment how it feels internally and is like, yeah, dude, like that's good. <laughs> you know, like let's keep right, going. right. So I think it's not a conscious evaluation in the moment. It's a subconscious evaluation in the moment and then a conscious evaluation after the thing's created, or at least how I've seen it. Um, where you can say, No, I take that back. I think it's dual evaluations both times. It's in the moment while you're generating it and then after when you're evaluating a set of options let's say you have two versions of a song, how does that one make you feel? Subconsciously and consciously, how does the other one make you feel subconsciously and consciously? And that's how we're making all decisions ultimately. And that's, that's, that's science. <laughs> like I'll play a mix and play the exact same mix next and raise like, I like this one better. Is this the yeah. I'm like, no, I just played the same, the same one twice. Then you're like, oh, shit, I got to go. <laughs> I've done that so many times. I'm like, this sounds better, right? And it's like, 
when um the the audio thing um spatial audio on iphone came out there was a button to turn it on and i thought like if i turned it on it would make a difference so i would hit the button and i'm like yeah this does kind of sound better and then like i would turn it off and i'm like yeah it doesn't sound as good turns out when i first did that it wasn't actually working like spatial audio wasn't working either way because it wasn't even out yet but i thought in my head i'm like this definitely sounds better like feels fuller as soon as I like saw it and hit it, it's crazy. Dude, I've done that with plugins where like I have it on the wrong channel yeah. and I'm like fucking with it. And I'm like, all right, that sounds good. And then you finally like go, wait, nothing is happening. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. It's like just knowing that you did something sometimes gives your body the feeling like there's progress. We're good. Like that's all. Sometimes all the body wants is progress. And so like, it feels good knowing that you did something, but really, like, yeah, it was good. Working on someone else's song in the studio, they're like, I need more delay on that guitar. And I literally like, don't do anything. Yeah. I'm like, is that better? They're like so much better. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's like the illusion of, of progress. But I, I think John really- used to have this thing that was called, um, PPB and it was like this button. And it's really just, it's like producer pacifier buttons where like, it literally just does nothing. It's just a dummy light. Yeah. And you're like, is that better? They're like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. It, there's something I forget. I, I think Spider had mentioned it at one point, this idea of like, when you see something, like when you actually see a change, um, how seeing the change happen, if there's like another thing, like, let's say it's even like adjusting a color, I like hit a button. I'm like, is that red a little different? Just hitting that button mentally makes you think that there's a difference happening elsewhere because you've correlated change with the button. It's We're literally like monkeys in, in a fucking science experiment. We're like, totally. yeah, I'm hungry now. <laughs> like, it's, it's like a placebo, you know? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, so just to make uh, this even more subjective, <laughs> it's like what you're experiencing isn't real, guys. So... Uh, Good luck, everyone. <laughs> so um, I want to conclude by uh, asking a question. Well, two questions. One, do you have any questions for me about this whole thing, about the book, what I've learned, anything like that? Two is, if you were to make a book for creative people, what is it that you would tell them? What is like the one point that you would want to really drive home? Uh, something that just keeps coming to, my, to me is go with your intuition. Go with your gut because that's what's going to make you you, right? You want to be the closest thing to your true self that you could be making any kind of art because no one's seen that before. No one's seen you before. You, you're the only one of you and we're all different people. And... If you try to rip, like, I think it's fun to, like, something that I like to do is find chord progressions that I like of songs I love and never play that song, right? But, like, flip it or whatever. Because I'm like, oh, man, those chords made me feel a certain way. And I'm going to, like, I think we all come up with our own ways of making things. But I think my point, if I were to write a book, would be trust yourself as an artist. Like, be you, do you, 
And uh, when you're creating, don't get caught up in the details. Like, mm-hmm. just let it flow. Like, I could go, we could edit everything later. But, like, let's get the real shit now, right? Like, let's get the, we're in this vibe. Let's get it all out. And, um, yeah, I think that's that for me. I love that. In a minute. (laughs) My question to you is, is, are you seeing a lot of similarities and or differences in creatives based on some of the same topics? I haven't dove too deep into the evaluation yet. I'm very much like, I see at this point, but like, I would say that there are, when you get up to the level that we're talking about, like the level of abstraction that we're talking about, collaboration as concept, environment, identity. I think that like, there are parallels. And I think people's individual stories might make one topic seem different but I think conceptually, there's a lot of repetition. Mm. There's definitely a lot. Um, because I think what you just said, you know, being you, that speaks to anyone. That That is a truism. Um, you know, no one has ever been you before is a truism. As far as we know, um, like, that's a truism. And that's not something that you could really debate. You could, but we won't. Um, so I think that there's like... <laughs> There's, uh, I think there are a lot of, of parallels. And I think sometimes, like I said, a lot of what we're doing, one big revelation that we, uh, Christian and I had, who's helping me co-write the book, uh, had when we were discussing it was this idea of a spectrum came to mind for me where I was like, none of these topics are like binary and none of these topics have one answer. Like, it's not like this or that, but it's also not like the answer is just this, you know, it's like, feedback, always do this. Okay. That's not true. Feedback, always do this or always do that. Also not true. Like it's feedback. You can do this all the way to that. And there's different reasons why you would do that. Different stories, different experiences that might shape different contexts that would shape your decision. So I think people that we've interviewed are all along those, that spectrum, even today, like talking about our process being different. Like it's not, I can't say yours is right or mine is right or one of is, um, but like there's something there that you can navigate. So I don't think people are falling into one camp, um, which has been great. That's actually helped a lot to make us realize like, oh, it isn't that there's a pattern. The pattern is people care about feedback. People care about limits. People care about process or whatever. They have their own philosophies of it. But their philosophy might be here, yours might be there, someone else might be there, et cetera. And that's been helping me really understand the concept from like a more holistic point of view and shift that it works no matter what, which is really cool. I love that. Um, I Did think it, before we conclude, <laughs> I'm going to just say that I'm grateful for you being in my life. Um, Same, dude. Yeah, and you absolutely are. And I'm so excited that we finally got to do this. I remember talking about it early on. We're on episode like 20 right now. Um, early on, you being like, when are we going to do this? And I'm like, it'll come. Like, there will be a right time. And um, it's been great. I, I learned yeah. so much of the early book was actually related to, like, 
was not related to, was uh, inspired by our collaboration uh, with Rose Colored World, like producing, doing design work, like that whole thing was when I started working on this. It was right, I remember. Yeah. It inspired a lot of like different topics. And I would be thinking about feedback and then in the room with you guys, and like thinking about all of the different dimensions. So it, uh, you have inspired it in ways that I don't even know if you realized until I just said that, like, so there's that. And also obviously your words are going to as well. So thanks, dude. Also, you've been such a great friend to me and I really appreciate that. So well, I love you lots. I will see you soon. Really, I have like Delta Sky Miles. Like I have enough to get a one way at least <laughs> with Sky Miles. So like, um, I'll definitely, I'm, I'm thinking about coming back sooner than later. Well, sick. I love temporarily. Everybody else. You got this. You got this. Signing right. off. So long. Love you. Later.